Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is putting a grade on it. So this is our second edition of putting a grade on it. We did the WNBA edition when we were talking about free agency. This time, we're going to switch to the NBA, but we're going to talk about rookies. Jalen and I chose three rookies each, ranging from the NBA to the G League. We're going to grade how they are doing so far in their career. Jalen, who is the first rookie that you're going to talk about and what grade are you giving them? So I think the first guy that I definitely want to discuss is Desmond Bain out of TCU. He went 30th overall. It was Boston's pick that went to Memphis in this past draft. I think that this one was huge. We talked about Desmond Bain a lot during the pre-draft process as a guy who was really interesting just because of the build that he has, uh, 215 pounds, 6'5". Very strong physical build. He was one of the guys that stood out in a lot of the physical and athletic-based categories in the uh, – NBA combine in terms of certain like the the high jumps the the you know the bench presses the different things like that that don't really mean a lot on the surface but the workout warrior award when it comes to the NBA combine is something that people definitely keep a significant eye on in the pre-draft process and Desmond Bain was one of the guys at the top of that list as one of the more uh interesting prospects from that perspective um, three and D wing caliber guy, 9.8 points per game, 2.7 rebounds per game, 1.4 assists per game. He hasn't started very many games. He started five of the 27 games that he's played in. But one of the most interesting things to me is when I said three and D, I meant it. 44.7% from, um, from behind the arc. He's ninth in the NBA, ninth in the NBA overall amongst guys that have taken at least 103 pointers this season. And he's hitting nearly 45% of them. I actually think that he's like 45 for a hundred, maybe just a little bit under um, at the moment. And he's shooting 48.5% from the floor on just under eight attempts per game. I think the other thing that stands out for me overall, when it comes to Desmond Bain is that he's getting significant burn. This, this Grizz, this Grizzlies team, it goes pretty deep. They have a handful of guys that play at least 20 minutes. They go 11 deep in terms of guys that play 20 minutes or more. And Desmond Bain is seventh in the rotation with 23 minutes behind only Grace and Allen coming off the bench. So I think Desmond, Desmond Bain is one of those guys that I think has stepped up significantly well for them so far this year as a guy who can be a potential 3-and-D wing prospect moving forward. And if you look at some of the guys that have went before him, you can say this about Sadiq Bey, too, as well, as another one of those guys who may have gotten overlooked as a 3-and-D wing. You remember, we have to look back at guys like Devin Vassell and Aaron Neesmith who are not getting a lot of burn for um, their teams earlier at the top, um, top of the draft. Neesmith is one of those guys who's had a little bit more showing with the Boston Celtics, but I would argue that Desmond Bain and Sadiq Bay are having better seasons overall than both of those guys towards the top of the lottery. So, I mean, I think Desmond Bain is a really very, very interesting prospect, still relatively young as well. I mean, 22 years old in his rookie season compared to John Morant, who's in his second year and he's 21, but nonetheless, 
he's been a serious producer for this team so far this season. Desmond Bean is actually one of the better three and D wings coming out of this draft class, considering that this draft class was loaded with three and D wings. Like you mentioned, Sadiq Bay, Aaron Neesmith, Devin Vassell. Those were some of the top three and D wings coming out of that, that class. But Desmond Bean, you say he was selected at the 30th overall pick in the first round. He's a guy who's really stood out for them. You mentioned seventh in terms of minutes in the rotation just looking at a lot of his games, you mentioned 27 games that he's played in. He's, he's started in five of them. The last two games in particular, putting up 15 points and seven rebounds and three steals along with a block in the win against Houston. He was shooting six of seven from the field in that game, 50% from three, even though he only took two threes in the game. He made one of them. And then in the next game against the Wizards, 10 points, two rebounds, assist, and a steal. shooting from the field in that game, 33% from three. This is a guy who's shown a lot of upside on a young Memphis team that almost looks like now that they have John Morant back and healthy, seem like an up-and-coming team ready for the playoffs again. I think this time this team could be able to make the playoffs and not have to play into the tournament, much like they did last year, and they ended up losing to Portland. So. I think that this team could actually end up being a top eight team in the Western Conference, especially with guys like Desmond Bean playing as well as he's been playing so far. My first rookie that I'm going to put a grade on is LaMelo Ball, and he gets A+. He has lived up to the hype and the expectations set for him being drafted third overall to the Charlotte Hornets. He is averaging close to 16 points a game, six rebounds, 6.4 assists, just over a steal and a half a game shooting close to 45% from the field, close to 37% from three. After being named the Easter Conference's Rookie of the Month for January, LaMelo Ball has has had a phenomenal month of February. Just to highlight some of the games they played in in February, 34 points, eight assists, two steals, and a block against Utah, 24-10 and against Houston, 20-11 and against Minnesota, 17 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, and three steals against San Antonio. 24 points and 12 assists against Sacramento. And then starting off the month of March with a 30-point game against Portland, where he also had six rebounds, eight assists, and three steals. Now, just looking at the bigger picture, Charlotte is 16-18 right now. They sit eighth in the Eastern Conference. This is a team that could be dangerous to close out the season, especially with the way that LaMelo Ball has been playing. They have Minnesota as their last game before the All-Star break. I think LaMelo could easily put up a 25-5-5 game. But I think in order for Charlotte to make a push for the playoffs, it's really going to have to come down to LaMelo Ball continuing to play the way that he's been playing. They have the talent to do so. A couple of 20-point game scorers in Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier also getting solid play from Devontae Graham. This Charlotte team has the talent. I think they could be a playoff team this year. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with LaMelo right now is just the fact that, you know, I feel like it was actually a very not only humbling experience, but a very um, a a very relevant teaching moment that he did not start the year out um, in terms of in terms of, you know, starting above guys like Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. I think that was one of those things that actually helped to benefit his overall development as a guy that was going up against second unit talent and being able to just kind of refine some of the little skills that we knew were in there. I think the elevated shots are still one of those things that he tends to struggle with, but you can tell 
that that's just the high volume scorer in him that tends to, you know, pull those shots out of his bag. But overall, the facilitating is like as translatable as we could have thought. Um, uh, going back to the grades, obviously, first off, I forgot to give mine for Desmond Bain. I would have to give that about a B, B minus. Uh, I think being able to pull him at 30 was a steal. I think um, you'd like to see a little bit more of uh, a little bit more production three point wise, uh, despite the fact that he is so elite at it. Uh, I think my main thing with Desmond Bain is just more so the fact that I'd love to see more minutes from him as a guy that I feel like is producing at the level that he is. And I think that if Justice Winslow ever does get on the floor, unfortunately, that's going to zap some minutes away from Desmond Bain. Um, in terms of LaMelo Ball, I have to agree that I have to put it at about an A, uh, maybe an A minus to a certain extent, but I think an A is about as respectable as it gets, considering the fact that he's really bursted onto the scene. He was obviously playing really well coming off the bench. And now, I mean, he's been a, a, a thoroughbred demon since getting in the starting lineup. I mean, he's going to be a guy that like, it's going to be hard for them to be able to sit him back down on the bench. I think this is going to be one of those things where there's going to be a significant discussion or a very, very relevant discussion surrounding the idea of whether or not Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham should be guys potentially on the trading block to be able to really open up the woodworks for LaMelo ball to feel confident within his space. And I mean, not that he doesn't, the dude plays with enough swag as it is, but I think really opening up the spot for him and allowing him to thrive in that in, in that area might really brew up some questions about what their backcourt looks like moving forward. Moving on now to our second rookies. Jalen, who is another rookie that you are picking out and what is the grade that you give them? It's kind of hard not to have a uh, HTP recording without – discussing a Chicago Bulls player you know typically there's I get my little jabs in mentioning Zach Levine who is now an all-star by the way and it's one of those things where I I can't help myself so in this circumstance I have to talk about Patrick Williams he was a guy who shocked me we did our remember we did our Instagram live during the NBA draft and when Patrick Williams went off the board at number four I was quite literally shook um I definitely thought that a guy like Tyrese Halliburton or maybe even a guy like Killian Hayes, who has been on the shelf for a little while due to injury, was going to be the, the guy that was taken, one of the guys that were taken. But Patrick Williams was the guy taken with a lot of upside. And so far, I mean, he's making them look pretty OK. He does still look like a rookie level defender. So as a three, three and D wing, you can tell that he's trying to still get a grasp of NBA, NBA defense. But at six, seven, 215 pounds with the kind of length, with the kind of size that he has and the 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 relative athleticism and explosiveness that he has, I think that he has a significant amount of upside. And you can tell that they picked him at four based on what the potential is. And so far, he's shown off a little bit of that already. 10.1 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists. I think that when you look across the board, he's been one of those guys that's been pretty consistent for them. He's had a handful of double-doubles, two double-doubles in particular, and he's had a, a good handful of standout games. You haven't really been able to see anything too consistent for him, but there was a stretch where he, you know, at the, at the beginning of February – there was a little bit brewing there. I mean, you come you come into the beginning of February with 10 points, 12 points. Then you have a season high 20 points against Orlando. Follow that up with 16 and 10 against Orlando again. I think this is a guy that as he continues to put it together, 
fingers crossed, Ryan, I'm hoping that Patrick Williams can have the kind of second half to the season that Kobe White had for us last year, where he really bursted on the scene as a guy who was slowly coming up the rear as a top three, top four rookie of the year contestant last season after the way that he was um, able to come out like, you know, pretty much fired out of a cannon the second half of the season after the all-star break. I'm hoping that Patrick Williams can address a lot of the things that have taken place so far in this season and really start to put some games together for this squad. Because look, Otto Porter is not healthy for this team. Unfortunately, I think Otto Porter is a guy who around the trade deadline could be discussed as being moved because I think he's a guy that if he does get healthy can be a significant option for a legit playoff caliber team. Unfortunately for us, we're gunning for the playoffs, but I don't think Otto Porter is going to have anything to do with whether or not we make it or don't make it moving forward. So Patrick Williams is going to be that guy at the 3-4 spot. I think between him sharing minutes with that, he is young. I think that Patrick Williams has developed a lot so far already. And if he can just, if he can just bring it all together, if he can just bring it all together and show us, you know, a little bit of consistency on both sides of the floor, because he's got a couple two and three block games. He's got a handful of one, two, three. I mean, shoot, he had one game where he had four steals um, in a game earlier in the season. I think it was actually against the Lakers when it happened. So the upside is there on both sides of the floor. If he can, it's it's some nights where he scores less than 10, but he plays very, very well defensively. It's other nights where he can score 15 plus, but you don't really see the defensive burst there. So if he can just put it all together, man, I think that this is going to be very good for the Chicago Bulls who, I mean, currently are in ninth place in the Eastern Conference, but that doesn't really say a lot when the Eastern Conference is so compact between the, you know, the bottom five, maybe even the bottom four, like the, 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 from fourth to like 11th, you can argue that these spots are going to flip flop for the entirety of the year. So the Bulls are right there in the mix, but I think Patrick Williams' development is going to have a lot to do with where they go. Yeah, to say that Jalen was shocked on that move is an understatement. I think now as the season has progressed, he's turning out to be a pretty solid player, averaging 10 close to five rebounds a game, shooting 46% from the field, close to 39% from three. I think as one of the one of the more highly coveted three and D wings coming out of the draft last year, I think this was an interesting choice. I do think Jalen, like you mentioned, you thought the Bulls were going to pick Killian Hayes and you have Patrick Williams instead. And Patrick Williams is, is turning out to be a guy who can step up for your team, especially late in the season. He could be a guy who ends up like Kobe White taking that second half resurgence. Patrick Williams could be the answer to your question about who could be a solid three and D wing with Otto Porter being on the, being on the um, shelf due to injury especially considering that, like you mentioned, two double-doubles for him this season. Also has a huge 20-point game, a season-high 20 points in the loss to Orlando, 20 points and seven rebounds to go along with a block and two steals. Shooting 63% from the field in that game, six of six going to the line in that game as well. So he just needs to put it all together. I think he couldn't have said it better. I think this is a guy who, once he puts it all together, I think he ends up having a second-half resurgence to the season. This guy could end up being a solid third or fourth scoring option for your team, especially behind the all-star and Zach Levine. 
Colby White's another guy who's been giving you solid production as well. Patrick Williams could be a guy who's a third or fourth scoring option for your team. So the second rookie that I am going to put a grade on is Emmanuel Quickly. And Emmanuel Quickly is going to get a B plus. I think Emmanuel Quickly has been a surprise this season. He's a Maryland guy coming out of John Carroll High School, went to Kentucky. He was slated to be a second round pick, ends up going in the first round to New York. And Jalen, I think this is a hot take, but I think he may end up being the steal of the 2020 NBA draft. He's averaging close to 13 points a game, and he's shooting 39% from the field and from three. And he's putting up these types of numbers coming off the bench, also while being the third league scorer on the New York Knicks. He's also been the leading scorer in the, for the team in four of their games this season. In the loss to Portland, he put up 31 points, puts up 25 points in the win against Cleveland, 25 points in the win against Sacramento. In their most recent game against San Antonio, he put up 26 points. He's giving the New York Knicks something that they haven't had in a while, scoring production coming off the bench. I feel like we really haven't seen that since the 2013 or since the 2012-2013 team where they had a lot of guys coming off the bench, like Steve Novak, Chris Copeland, just two guys to mention from that 2012-2013 playoff team. Here's the interesting thing, Jalen. The Knicks are 18-18 and right now and fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Did anyone expect that this team was going to be fourth in the Eastern Conference in the year 2021? But seeing how the team has an all-star this year and Julius Randle, They have R.J. Barrett, who's been great for them this year. He's their franchise player. Now they have Emmanuel Quickly, who's giving them solid production or solid scoring production coming off the bench. And they have an experienced coach, especially in the playoffs, and a guy in Tom Thibodeau. There's no reason why the Knicks can't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think with Emmanuel Quickly, it's very similar to a guy in Patrick Williams. I think in terms of like their – C, there there were C-plus guys when you looked at it in terms of the initial draft. Patrick Williams was the guy who I had at around a C-plus because I felt like it was potential, but it needed to hit. And the way the year started out, it was kind of dicey. Emmanuel quickly was a guy they took a flyer mile out on, and he's played above his weight in terms of being able to be a legitimate producer off the bench for New York this early on in his career. Patrick Williams is kind of, He was a guy who there was a lot of questions around the idea of taking him at four because the potential was there, but the wonder was whether or not he could really fill the three, four position for the Chicago Bulls, considering the fact that they still had Otto Porter. They brought Otto Porter back. They maintained um, that he is young on the roster rather than trading him last season, something that was definitely on the table in discussions a lot throughout the year. And of course there were still discussions around guys like Laurie Markkinen and the fact that Kobe White, was discussed as somebody who people weren't necessarily sure if he was going to be a long-term solution at the point guard position, including myself. So he's actually played relatively well. A guy like Emmanuel Quickly, on the other hand, is quite literally just playing, overplaying his his draft stock. I mean, a late, late 20s pick uh, next to a guy in Peyton Pritchard, I would argue he's one of the better late round guys in this draft. And, I honestly, I mean, I think a B plus to a certain extent could be underselling it depending on how he continues to shoot throughout the year because he's been playing so well 
And I think one of the biggest things that touches out for me is the fact that he's been interchangeable. You know that recently New York brought in the uh, brought in the Derrick Rose experiment once again. And I thought that that was going to I said this um, back when we first discussed um, Emmanuel quickly uh, a couple of episodes back when we discussed some rookies. And my biggest thing with that was if Derrick Rose is taking minutes away from Alfred Payton, good signing. If Derrick Rose is taking minutes away from Emmanuel quickly. I don't support it. Derrick Rose either played next to Emmanuel quickly or has been thrusted in the, into the starting lineup due to certain injuries on the team. But he hasn't taken away minutes from Emmanuel quickly. I think that's been very beneficial for him. Plus, let's just keep it a bean, bro. Let's keep it a bean. Emmanuel quickly as a rookie already has one of the better floater packages in the NBA. And I think that's extremely impressive to have a skill that I don't think necessarily draft uh, curators thought he could um, – he could bring to the league early. I don't think people thought that he would be able to translate as an NBA-level point guard early on, and he's proven a lot of people wrong early, and it is crazy how he's been able to catch the, uh, the entire Eastern Conference by storm with the New York Knicks being a top-five team already. So moving on now to our last rookies that we're going to put a grade on. Jalen, who is the last rookie that you're going to put a grade on? Yeah, man. So, you know, you mentioned the whole thing about talking about the G League guys, because obviously there's a couple of rookies that got sent down and I got to go to the homie Paul Reed out of DePaul. This is a guy who was taken really, really late with a flyer mile pick by the 76ers. And he is killing it in the G League. Just had his 10th double double of the season the other day for the uh, Delaware Blue Coats, And, you know, I mean, the dude is everything that you would legitimately want in a 3 and D wing prospect. I mean, legitimately. In the 13 games that he's played, 21.9 points per game on 16 attempts, shooting 57% from the floor, 44% from three, 78% basically from the free throw line. He's averaging 11.3 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and nearly two blocks per game. Like, the dude is the dude is flying all over the court and placed in a way that's completely ridiculous. Plus, if we just want to talk about the Delaware Blue Coats for a sec, bro, eight and four overall in the G League, fifth in the G League division. Um, when you look at their overall offensive output, third in the G League in points per game with 117 points per game, third in the G League in pace, second in offensive rating out of 18 teams. They're a top three team in the in, in the G League heading into what's going to be the G League playoffs starting later on this week. And look, with the combination of the guys that they have right now, I think they are extremely scary because of the fact that, I mean, you look at what they what they have going in favor for them. I mean, Paul Reed and Ray John Tucker at the top both averaging 20 points per game alone. Justin Robinson, 15.4 points per game. Jerry Brown Ridge, they've got some interesting guys. These, these are some very 2K my player s guys outside of Ray John Tucker and Paul Reed at the top. But I mean, this team is extremely lethal. And with Paul Reed playing the way he is right now, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say Paul Reed has been the best rookie in the G League out of anybody. And that includes certain guys like Moses Brown for the OKC Blue and different things like that. I think that overall, I think that Paul Reed might be having the best G League season out of any of the rookie uh any any of the rookies from the 2020 class. 
Yeah, I was a I was a huge fan of Paul Reed coming out of DePaul. I mean, he has a promising three point shot. You mentioned he's shooting forty four percent in the G League. He's also shooting very well from the line. He has a good shot selection as well. That's one. I think that's one of the best things about his game coming out of college. He does not try to force shots. And then on the defensive side, he's a great shot blocker, able to get steals as well. Something that was also very noticeable about his game. I think if he if he's able to get the time on the main roster with the Philadelphia 76ers, this is a guy who could back up Joel Embiid, especially with the way he's been playing in the G League. The last rookie that I'm going to be talking about is Trey Jones. Trey Jones coming out of Duke was drafted by the Spurs in the early second round, averaged 18 points and close to 10 assists with the Austin Spurs. I think the pairing that he had with, with a Luka Simonich, who also got called up to the Spurs, this was a very dangerous duo in the G League. Trey Jones also averaging over a steal a game, shooting close to 45% from the field, one of the best defensive guards coming out of the draft. And like I mentioned with Lucas Samanich, Trey Jones also got called up to the San Antonio Spurs just to talk about the effect of this call-up. This is a huge call-up for the San Antonio Spurs. They already have a, a, an established backcourt in Deontay Murray and Derek White, so I don't think Trey Jones is going to get starter minutes, but I think that Trey Jones is going to give him solid production coming off the bench. I think being one of the best defensive guards is beneficial to a team that's very offensive-minded, especially with other offensive-minded players like Derek White and Deontay Murray. They also have a great two-way player in DeMar DeRozan as well, and I think Trey Jones could be the next up-and-coming two-way player. I think if he improves his three-point shot, I think that was, that was one of the things, Jalen, that you talked about when we, were, when we were discussing the draft analysis. The fact is, considering we thought the Spurs were going to be a rebuilding team this year, Trey Jones could be a solid two-way player for this team as we unexpectedly think that they're going to make a push for the playoffs. I mean, shockingly enough, we thought that this team was going to trade everyone, and we thought the first guy out was DeMar DeRozan, and he ends up putting up all-star numbers. I mean, some may think he is an all-star snub, but this team could be, much like the Utah Jazz, Kind of a shocker to see how well they're doing so far, considering that everybody thought that they were going to trade everyone away and just be a rebuilding team. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Trey Jones is just the mere fact that he is a do-it-all point guard in a lot of different ways. I mean, he's not a three-point shooter, and that's the thing that still kind of concerns me overall with him. He's taking just barely over two three-point attempts per game, and he's shooting like under 10% from three. Like that is one of those big things that unfortunately is coming back to haunt him is that he's regressed back to that, that weird standard of not being able to shoot the three ball at all. And that, that does significantly concern me, but 18.1 points per game, 9.7 assists per game, 1.4 steals, 5.3 rebounds. Like, I mean, he is eating on the offensive and offensive and defensive end and obviously you know he's a facilitate first point guard he's a guy who's played with a lot of stars already um i agree with you that for the san San antonio spurs he's going to be able to get a lot of burn as a uh second unit guy i think he's one of those guys that would be really interesting as a lob um as a lob catalyst to a guy like lonnie walker 
or maybe even Keldon Johnson. I think those are two guys that are high flyers that are going to love receiving outlet passes and things of that nature from a guy like Trey Jones, who openly can get guys, you know, not in the, not just open in the open floor, but get guys open in the spots that they want the ball in. I think that's a really interesting thing um, moving forward with Trey Jones because of the fact that I think that as a facilitator, he's a very interesting prospect that I don't think that the Spurs have had. Um, talking about the Spurs for a little while, it's been really interesting what they've been able to do this year. Like you mentioned beforehand, they're one of the more surprising teams as a playoff team right now. Um, and DeMar DeRozan, I feel like, is arguably one of the most snubbed players in terms of the all-star lineups because of the fact that Point DeMar has been something something to see. I mean, this Point DeMar has been somebody who's not only played the point guard position, DeMar DeRozan has played the one through the four for this team throughout this the, throughout the season. And he was doing a little bit of this last year, and he thought maybe it was some fluky stuff that maybe they were just working with because they were a relatively smaller team that's guard heavy. But DeMar DeRozan is legitimately taking on the challenge of playing the one through four for this squad while also being one of their primary facilitators, still being one of their leading scorers, on the team I mean they are just a very interesting team that is way better when LaMarcus Aldridge is not on the floor I do expect him to be a guy who potentially gets thrown in trade talks as well it's all going to depend on moving his contract which is not horrible but it's not great either I think LaMarcus Aldridge is somebody who could legitimately get moved for maybe a couple of picks or maybe some potential guys that could play the the four or five for them right now but speaking of the four or five, though, Ryan, they're getting crazy production from this 2020 draft class. Well, I mean, I, I think people are sleeping on the fact that, I mean, can we talk about Luka Salmanich and Robert Woodard for a second? Like, what the heck? Luka Salmanich, like you said, he got called up as well. 21.8 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, 2.2 assists. I mean, the dude is stroking it from inside, 51% from within within the arc. 44% overall from the floor. And then Robert Woodard, 16.8 points per game, 11 rebounds as well. He's another guy who's doing relatively well from inside the arc, 48% from within within the arc, which is definitely um, a very good sign on his end. And then you throw in 41% from the floor. I mean, the three guys we're discussing are not guys that are, you know, elite three-point shooters, unlike, you know, some of the other guys you may have mentioned beforehand, like Emmanuel Quickly, for example. But these three guys, when they get to the main roster of the of the San Antonio Spurs, I think they could legitimately legitimately make this team go 9, 10, 11 deep because I feel like these guys are all going to earn significant minutes and they kind of fall into the Spurs way of not really shooting the three at a high clip. They're just guys who live in the mid-range, live within the paint and and eat when necessary and i think that they're all going to be able to produce relatively well i think trey jones where he was taken i'm going to say it's at about a c plus maybe about a regular maybe about a normal c right now in terms of grading the pick i want to see what he does at the next level i just think that regression in his three-point shot from what we saw last season where he took a bit of a step at duke falling back into that trap of not being a legitimate three-point threat at the guard position is something that just legitimately scares me a little. So if he can develop that, I think that this can be a better pick as things go along. But right now, Trey Jones is still relatively concerning to me just because we need that three ball to start falling. I don't know if I gave my grade either. I gave it a B. I think that he has stepped up for this team. I think 
you know, if we group all the Spurs rookies together so far, it would be an A minus considering how well all three of them have been playing. But I think for Trey Jones, for me, it is a B. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is one rookie from the 2020 NBA draft class that has impressed you the most, whether it's in the NBA or in the G League? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.